Thank you, Marissa. Good morning. You can have a seat. I am delighted to be here with you this morning, although I do have to ask, what are you doing here? Why are we not all down the shore? I know, I know. Some of you go to the mountains instead, which is the wrong choice, by the way, in case you were wondering. But we are all at a disadvantage here because where I'm originally from in Alaska, we do not have to choose between the mountains and the lake and the ocean because they're all in the same place. They're all together. And the, one of the beaches that my family likes to go to when I'm back home visiting during the summer is where the Anchor River empties out into the ocean. So we have canoeing and campfires on one side and we have beachcombing on the other side and it's perfect. I brought some pictures to show you. This is the beach and if you see those, see those two tiny little dots? That's my daughter and my niece. And that's an Alaskan joke, by the way. Uh, you see that tiny dot? That's a whale. You see that tiny dot? That's a sea otter. You see that little tiny dot up in that tree? That's a bald eagle. That's how all our pictures look. But this is the beach. And then the next picture, you'll see the campfire side. That's my daughter and my dad. They are ready to roast those hot dogs. My daughter requested extra long sticks. So my dad obliged. You see, she's got a two first. She's got two hot dogs on there. She's ready to toast them up. So I think that all of us here this morning, we deserve gold stars for being here on a holiday weekend, neither at the beach nor at the mountains. We're talking today about generosity again in this little short three-week series called The Theology of Generosity. Last week, Pastor Eric talked to us about how God owns everything, so I'm not really the owner of my stuff, which means I can hold what I have with open hands. We talked through 1 Chronicles 29 and how everything comes from God and that we give him only what he first gave us. Our big idea was about having open hands, being generous, giving back to God that which he has given us. And um, today we're following that up by looking at a few verses from the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his young co-worker Timothy. So if you have a Bible or device, you can join me in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 17 through 19. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Our big idea for today is generosity is the path to a great life. I love this definition of generosity in verse 18, always being ready to share with others. Specifically here, this verse is talking about our material resources, our possessions that God has blessed us with. Generosity is also sharing our time, our attention, our abilities, Being generous isn't just giving, it's being ready to share. Because we could give out of obligation. We could give 
reluctantly or resentfully. We could give without ever even thinking about others, just doing it to check off a box for our own self-righteousness. But that's not what this passage here is talking about. This is talking about the kind of generosity which is a way of living. It's a way of seeing the world, a way of understanding who God is and who we are in relation to that. Generosity is when we are open-handed, when we are willing to share what we have with others, our time, our resources, our attention, our abilities. Generosity is a key expression of love, and love is the key to a great life. Generosity teaches us a different way of relating to the world and to each other. As this passage says, generosity is being willing to share with others because we are confident that God is taking care of us. If I trust, if I really believe that God is looking out for my good, that he will provide for my needs, then I am free to look out for the needs of others. I don't have to be afraid or reluctant to share I don't have to worry that sharing might mean I don't have enough left over for myself. Let's look at verse 17 again. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Money, wealth, myself. All unstable places for me to put my trust. Money and wealth can be lost. I could become sick or otherwise unable to earn enough. It's scary if we have a worldview that says, I am the only one I can rely on. I am what makes or breaks my survival or my family's survival. Ultimately, I am all alone in this world. If that's true... I have to get all I can, and I have to hang on to it as tightly as I can. I can't be ready to share. Because if I give what I have to someone else, or to God, there might not be enough left for me. But we have another option, to deepen our trust in God, in his goodness toward us, and his provision for us. Verse 17 says, God richly gives us all we need, and that we can enjoy it. The Bible is full of verses that encourage us to enjoy God's presence and his provision. He could have made an ugly world with nothing but asparagus and Brussels sprouts, but he didn't. He also gave us juicy peaches. I cannot wait for peach season. It's my favorite time every summer. When I can drive over to Jersey, a quick 40 minutes, and come home with a full bushel of peaches, and I lay them all out on my floor so I can slowly cut them up and eat them, put them in the freezer, because I really don't know which is better, fresh peaches or peach pie, peach pie that I just made from those freshly frozen peaches in the middle of winter, that taste of summer. God also gave us plants that make chocolate and strawberries, and grapes, which can be used for all sorts of delicious beverages. God richly gives us what we need. 
My life verse this year is Psalm 23, so I've been carrying that around with me all year, asking myself, is the Lord my shepherd today? Do I really have everything that I need because he's my shepherd? And in Real Women this year, we worked our way through the Sermon on the Mount, including this passage in Matthew 6 that says, don't worry about everyday life, food and drink and what you'll wear. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And that frees us so that we can seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give us everything we need. Our first takeaway today is practicing generosity deepens our trust in God. Our trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. When we practice generosity, we are practicing putting our trust in God, his goodness to us, his provision for us. If we are already confident that God richly provides, then generosity is a good way for us to live into that trust. It's an opportunity for us to put teeth to our belief that God provides. And if we're only somewhat confident, maybe we believe it, but we aren't 100% sure how to live that out then leaning into generosity is a great way for us to respond to God's love for us. And if we aren't sure even that God loves us and that he is out for our good, if we hope for that, but we're not really sure that's how life works, practicing generosity is a good way for us to test that hope because practicing generosity deepens our trust in God. And our second takeaway, practicing generosity helps us to grow in love. Generosity is woven into the very fabric of love. Even little kids know that love shares. Sharing is caring. I feel like little kids get a bad rap in sermons. I've always heard pastors, not here, but generally in life, pastors say, Oh, little kids are evidence of original sin because no one has to teach them how to be selfish, right? Have you heard that? Sure. Kids naturally know how to be selfish, but kids also can be breathtakingly generous and willing to share. Who is more dependent for their daily bread, their daily provision than little children? So when they share when they are open-handed, it is such a beautiful example of trust. Love is being willing to live with open hands. 
looking out for what is good for others as well as ourselves. Love gives. When we look at verses that tell us how to relate to one another in Christ, all those one another passages in the New Testament, we see how much the quality of generosity is present in those other virtues. Let's look at one of the passages to see what we're talking about. Colossians 3, the passage that we had as our reading today. Colossians 3, 12 through 15 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, because God loves us, because the Holy Spirit has poured his love into our hearts, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. That's a perfect example right off the bat. Generosity is in the very definition of what mercy is, right? Because mercy is giving what has not been earned. You can't have mercy without generosity. Kindness, humility, gentleness, all involve generosity. Patience. Patience, all it is is generosity, right? When we are patient, we are being generous with our time, generous with our attention. Patience is all about generosity. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness as well. It's all about generosity, being willing to share. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. Peacemaking is rooted in generosity. You can't make peace with your hands clenched into fists. All of these expressions of love are ways of living with open hands, being ready to share, ready to give of ourselves to others. So when we practice living generously, we are growing in love. We are cultivating love in our hearts and in our lives, and it finds expression in so many practical ways. When we say that generosity is the path to a great life, Part of what we are talking about is learning to see the world the way that God sees it and learning to see people the way that God sees them with love. Love gives. God is love and God gives to us. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us and gave his son for us. The Bible has verse after verse that says, God so loves, he gives. Love and generosity are inextricably linked. Back to our passage in 1 Timothy, pick up in verse 18. Be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, we will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that we may experience true life. The NIV translation says, so that we may take hold of the life that is truly life. When Paul writes about storing up treasure, he's echoing Jesus' words on the Sermon of the Mount, where he tells us not to store up treasures of earth, material goods that can be lost, but to store up treasures of heaven, which can never be lost. The treasures which are a good foundation for living a great life. So what are the treasures of heaven? Well, the first and most obvious is God, right? 
Living in the presence of God is the greatest treasure of heaven. And the things which come from living in the presence of God. All those things we just read about in Colossians 3. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, because of God's love, we have the things that come from living with God, living in Christ. All those things we just read about. Do we have some measure of Christ's presence now? Do we live in Christ now? Then we can also begin to store up the treasures of heaven now. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 5, through 23. He says, this is what God cultivates in our lives when we are living with him. And the fruit of the spirit is, or the juicy peach of the spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the treasures of heaven. Generosity puts us on the path to a good life because practicing generosity helps us to grow in love. And our last takeaway today, practicing generosity enriches our relationships with others. Generosity is a big part of how we love each other, of how we are there for each other, of how we serve each other. Learning to be truly generous is a gift that enriches our hearts as well as enriching our relationships with others, as we find opportunities to be open-handed with one another. A couple weeks ago, when we were wrapping up our Flourish series, Pastor Eric talked about research that shows a key component of human happiness is good, healthy community, particularly religious community. And I talked about the Harvard Health and Happiness Study, the longest-running study ever, 80 years of studying, And they figured out the greatest indicator of future health and happiness are close, healthy relationships. It's the key to living a happy life. Generosity, being open-handed, giving to others and being ready to share opens us up to love each other and build healthy relationships. One of my favorite things about God is how he loves us first and then invites us to treat others the way that he has already treated us. All those one another's, all those one another things that we find in the New Testament, those are all things that God has already given us, that he's already done for us. Like when it says, forgive anyone who offends you, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. God is not saying You have to forgive each other by scrounging up forgiveness in your heart out of nothing. No. He has already forgiven us. He's already forgiven me. And I know what that feels like to be forgiven. He's already started healing my heart. So he invites me to do the same for others, to offer them forgiveness and healing where I can. Everything that God does for us is two things at once. It's a twofer, just like that hot dog stick. It's a gift, and it's an invitation. An invitation for us to do the same. An invitation for us to join him in what he is doing. Everything God does for us is an invitation to do the same. So God's generosity to us 
is an invitation for us to live generously with others. It's the building block of loving each other and living together in a good and beautiful community. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear friends, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Let's live generously because generosity is the path to a better life, a good and beautiful life. Let's pray. Hi, Jesus. Thank you for the way that you love us with open hands, giving of yourself to us, your time, your attention, your resources, your own divine energy. Thank you for not merely giving, but for inviting us, for empowering us to do the same. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how to build good and beautiful lives and a good and beautiful community of people who may be wildly different, but who hold you in common. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen.